So we did an interview yesterday. It went on to be 45 minute long. 45 minutes long, excuse me. Here it is. Okay. What inspired you and Cooper to do the podcast Immature Politics? Oh, geez. Um, Cooper, do you th- who do you think is more suited to answer this? I think you are. Okay. Um, so, I, I would say mainly because I was kind of bored at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, um, with uh, the current situation of the world... I thought that it was appropriate mm-hmm. for us to be able to make this um, in order to, I guess, show people the perspective of um, how young people feel about politics today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cooper, do you have anything to say about that? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't necessarily say so. I think you kind of had it spot on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How would you compare Matt Whitaker to Jeff Sessions? Oh, jeez. Why do you think <laughs> Oh, jeez. Oh, I have a couple of comparisons. <laughs> Go, Cooper. Please take this okay. one. All right. So, Jefferson Sessions um, <laughs> was an actual Keebler elf. Uh, and uh-huh. he was uh, one of the most inactive... Well, I wouldn't say inactive. Uh, but probably... Uh, one of the worst attorney general uh, attorney generals in recent memory uh, by <laughs> virtue of the fact that he refused to take any uh, positive action towards issues which he was supposed to uh, crack down on and as the authority to crack down on as attorney general, uh, such as the uh, illegal actions of various <sighs> state governments in their sanctuary city policies, uh, California included, as well as uh, <laughs> California's uh, unconstitutional alliances with foreign states like China uh, mm-hmm. and uh, J- Jefferson Sessions more or, lo- more or less uh, put himself in that position by uh, uh, by virtue of the fact that he recused himself from the uh, Mueller probe <laughs> uh, Mueller, Matthew, Mueller Mueller, Mueller <laughs> Brown Nose, whatever uh, <laughs> okay uh matthew whitaker on the other hand uh while it's too early to say uh how he Mm -hmm. can be compared with jefferson sessions uh it is uh a fact that the appointment of matthew Mm -hmm. whitaker as the uh, acting attorney general is an unconstitutional act so that's not necessarily the greatest baseline to uh start off any uh, uh, line of administrative action. So it would his any yeah. action that he would take would be uh, similar, if not worse, to the inaction of Sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, when the huh? Democrat. Oh, Go ahead. Okay. Um, personally, I'd say. Um, oh, jeez, I don't know which one I would prefer. I mean, Matthew Wicker just. <laughs> He has no idea what he's doing. But he wants to overturn Marbury v. Madison. <laughs> yeah, but That's I epic. Mean, dude, have you, okay, have you seen his past? Okay, the fact that he wants to overturn Marbury v. Madison is absolute. <laughs> yeah. No, that's Judicial epic, review. Judicial review must stand. 
Judicial review isn't even Latin phrase. It doesn't. Make, it does, it's not valid in legality. Shut up. Um. Oh, just because it's not Latin. It's like <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. Personally, I think. Well, SNL did an amazing skit this um where it was jeff session was commenting on matthew Whitaker, saying that matthew Whitaker was mm-hmm. um devoutly uh a devout supporter of trump and has no experience and he's like oh wait that sounds that sounds about right um which does reflect upon his entire cabinet um but mm-hmm. i'd say i don't know i'd i mean i'd go for i'd go for um I go for Jeff Sessions, to be honest. Better of two evils. Kill weed. Okay. <sighs> yeah. When the Democrats took the House, uh, when the Democrats take the House in January, what do you think they will pursue and achieve? <laughs> um. Okay. So. I see the Democrats being extremely aggressive. There are two different ways that they could take this. Either they can be extremely aggressive and just subpoena the crap out of everything. Uh, Or they can try and be a bit more cautious. I would say the cautious route is better because if they were to be so rash to constantly subpoena everyone who is related to Trump, then it could cause a increased divide between the Democrats and Republicans, even though there's already an extreme chasm between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree with Terry that it will... Actually, I don't know. I would actually... I, I think that they're going to go with the more aggressive subpoena cannon route throughout the uh, tenure of their... <laughs> Uh, control over the house um and i would say that that is probably advantageous um because the way i see it it would be better for them to spend all their time uh through like in like trying to uh uh, investigate uh previous activities of uh trump and members of his cabinet uh than for them to actually keep in mind through... that the election. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. What, Terry? You're talking to someone who doesn't believe Russians did anything. No, because they didn't. Well, they didn't do anything that was substantive. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, France did stuff. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I th- they're probably going to go with the subpoena route. But I would say that that is probably mm-hmm. beneficial uh, for the country overall, because if they were to go the route of uh, pursuing actual legislation, things that uh, mm-hmm. actually matter, like uh, healthcare or uh, economy or foreign policy, then they would be much more destructive towards those different uh, areas of American life through their legislating than if they just spent their entire tenure in office with uh, through with their subpoena cannon. Okay. On your podcast, you talked about Russian collusion. Do you think Russian collusion happens in 16 U.S. presidential elections? 
Oh boy. Um. Well, I'm not gonna go into depth about this, but mm-hmm. as you can see from statistics from Facebook and <laughs> probably a lot of evidence out there, I would say they definitely did influence the U.S. election. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. I'm sure Cooper has a lot more to say. All right. In so, uh, as I've said before, <laughs> in order to uh, determine whether the Russian government had interfered in the election, uh, we must first have a baseline definition for what, interf- what constitutes interference. Uh, or if mm-hmm. we suspect that they colluded with uh, the Trump campaign in the election we must have a baseline for what collusion is, legally speaking. And we don't have a legal definition for either in that instance. Uh, But this is the fact of the matter. Uh, Russia did not change one vote, whether that vote uh, had been a a popular vote, which overall does not matter towards the election of the president, or whether uh, that vote had been an electoral vote. the Russian government did not change one vote uh, uh, speak, uh, in terms of them manually changing votes. Uh, evidence would also have us believe that uh, through their, um, uh, through Russian bot accounts on uh, Instagram and Facebook and the, uh, the sorts of uh, uh, political ads that they were running, uh, we can conclude that they were not necessarily swinging votes but rather were instilling a uh or rather tapping into uh an ever increasing divide within the country which i wouldn't say is even necessarily attributed to the russians i would just say that uh a uh, uh i i suppose the word that's being used now is asymmetrical polarization uh the academics like mm-hmm. to use that term to describe the polarization in America. Nice big words to make them feel smart. Um, <laughs> the, the asymmetrical okay. polarization that is occurring in this country uh, isn't a byproduct of Russian interference, but rather it is a symptom of the democratic system itself. Mm-hmm. What do you think of, well, as you described it, uh, I quote, I cried during my Senate here in Kavanaugh. Um, who said well, that? I'm sorry, what was the I quote again? Who said that. <laughs> yeah, well, the, quote, the quote says, I cried during my Senate hearing Kavanaugh. During the Senate hearing of Kavanaugh? Um, oh, jeez, who said oh. that? Uh, I think I probably said that as a joke. <laughs> um, because, oh, jeez, just the Kavanaugh hearing was just a mess. Are you saying you don't yeah. like beer, Terry? I also. <laughs> I'm not gonna comment on, on that, but um but it's just whenever drama is brought into a Senate hearing, you know it's gonna be messy. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Kavanaugh literally just like went on a temper tantrum for his mm-hmm. uh for his speech after Dr. Ford, I thought was just 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 like Come on, you know, mm-hmm. on his part. Um, when it comes to um, 
when it comes to like all these sexual allegations and all that stuff, I mean, including the fact that like the Republicans brought in a female prosecutor in to ask the questions, like I just thought, you know, like they could, they honestly could have done so much more to like alleviate all this crazy drama that's been going on. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think that Kavanaugh's reaction uh, and his. Uh, his attitude in the Senate hearing was perfectly normal for anyone who was <laughs> accused of gang rape. I know that I would act in a similar mm-hmm. manner, if not more fierce. Um, and I, I'm not even necessarily that big of a fan of Kavanaugh. I think that he's deficient in many areas. Um, <laughs> uh, but again, the, the, uh, uh, prevalence of drama in American politics mm-hmm. is nothing new. It's been around since the first Congress, really. I mean, you had senators, uh, uh, or rather representatives on the House floor who would beat each other with sticks uh, because they agreed, mm. disagreed with each other. Um, but it's dangerous when uh, senators and congressmen uh, have a camera put in their in front of their faces when they're uh, in these hearings and they have an opportunity to espouse rhetoric uh, and virtue signal to the public uh, in order to build for their uh, possible future runs uh, for president. I don't think that's a very good precedent to set in terms of political discourse. But again, that is the symptom of the democratic system. So... So Robert Mueller has been working on the Russia investigation report for quite some time. What do you think is in the report, and should Trump be scared? Um, I honestly, I'm not going to like make any predictions about what could happen with the Mueller probe because it can honestly go in so many ways. You know, it can either be, you know, I'd be like, and oh my gosh, like. Holy crap, we all like what we all like thought was the worst that could happen was happening this entire time, or it could be like, oh, you know, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that, you know, it's like, it's kind of bad, you know, kind of good, or it could just be like, oh, you know, everyone was just paranoid. Um, I, I certainly hope it would be the first um, possibility that I had mentioned, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It just, it, I can't really make any predictions about that. You have to wait to see what happens. Okay. Uh, I would have to agree with Terry on this, that it could either be, I mean, we don't really know yet. It could be something very bad and outrageous, or it could be something that is uh, mundane or uh, irrelevant. Uh, uh, diverging from Terry's point of view, I would rather hope that it's a second because... Uh, I would just prefer that our presidents weren't colluding with foreign powder with uh, mm-hmm. foreign powers. Mm-hmm. I, it's probably going to be the second, but we can't know for certain. So, would would you compare this administration to the Nixon administration in 1960, 1970? Oh, jeez. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say so. The fact that people are trying to draw parallels between this and Watergate, um, 
especially on the left. Cringy. It's, yeah. It dumbfounds me because I'm, I know I'm going against my, like, the own, like, ideology that I, that I believe in, but, like, honestly, come on. Wargate was something, like, that Nixon purposely did that was, like, actually him ordering it. While mm-hmm. for the Russians, it could be the Russians being like, hey, you want some help? You know, it's it's completely mm-hmm. different, and it's not justified to compare this to Wargate. <clears throat> yeah, I agree with Terry. It's yeah, there's no comparison. I, I feel like Watergate at this, like comparing things to <clears throat> Watergate at this point, is mm-hmm. almost like comparing a political opposition to Hitler. It's just overused <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. How how do you think nine eleven affected the country? Oh. oh. Um. Nine eleven gave us that impulse reaction, similar to like Pearl Harbor, where it was like, or maybe even like the Lusitania or or a Zimmerman telegram, where it was like, oh crap. This mm-hmm. is something that we really got to take care of. And um, in the case of 9-11, I mean, obviously we couldn't just sit by and do nothing. But I think what happened was we just took the war on terror to a whole other level that was definitely not tolerated by the Middle East or by the world and eventually by the American people. Um, in the... Months following 9-11, there was a great sense of, or rather a resurgence of American nationalism. Uh, And that can be, I believe, can be seen as the only, um, the only positive effect or consequence to have come from 9-11. But everything else was awful. the lives lost not only uh, in the terror attacks themselves, but also the American soldiers that we would lose in two uh, illegal, unnecessary foreign wars, Um, the money that would be uh, spent and the money that would have to be borrowed uh, that future generations will have to pay later on to pay for these wars. Um, uh, The financial recession that person uh i don't know another what effect well, I mean, the wars was played on that the, i think it was part the of war it. yeah the war has probably paid some effect it played some yeah. effect um yeah. Uh, yeah but and and then and not to mention the war on terror uh Ugh. the uh re- freedoms <clears throat> of relating to privacy and uh uh protection against search and seizure that have been curtailed under the Bush administration and the following administrations after that because of uh, um, the American public's willingness to surrender certain freedoms over for security. Um, And that's one of the criticisms that I have with Kavanaugh is that he's not, uh, he's not uh, strong enough on preventing government (laughs) interference in uh, 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 right to privacy. Um. Yeah, that's all I have to say on the subject. Trump repeatedly attacked Hillary Clinton on the on the campaign trail for using a private email server. Uh, just a few days ago, the president's daughter 
also was caught for using a private email server. Server, what do you think about that? Um, I'm kind of sick of all the Hillary crap at this point. Like, I don't see why. <laughs> why are people even still talking about her at this point? Like, one, it would be political suicide for a Democrat to even want to put Hillary on the ticket um, in 2020. I mean, it's like, I mean. I kind of just don't care at this point. If you're going to have a private email server, then yeah, make sure that's secure. Like, yeah, go ahead. You can do that. And I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I don't care if Hillary had her uh, private email server. Mm-hmm. I don't care if Ivanka has her private email server. Just make sure it's private, you know. Make sure that no one hacks into it. I mean, you can have something that's offline from the government servers. Just make sure you have the same protection that the government servers have or some crap like that. You know, it's not, it doesn't matter to me that much. Um, I think it matters a great deal. Uh, To me, it matters a great deal. I think that it is, it is hypocrisy to uh, attack your political opponent uh, in part because of their use of a private (laughs) email server in governmental affairs. Though the main criticism that Trump had was uh, of the the deletion of subpoenaed emails. That was the primary criticism. criminal charge that was um, being levied against uh, then candidate Clinton. Uh, but yeah, this, this doesn't, it's not a good image for the Trump, uh, the Trump administration at this moment, especially amidst everything else that has been going on with the restructuring of the cabinet. Mm-hmm. In 2016, when Trump won the election, how do you think Americans approached uh, thinking that Trump would be the new president? Um, well, personally for me, I, I was not happy. And I definitely thought that, like, ah, crap, you know. We're definitely going to go into, like, a pretty dark time in U.S. history. Um, I mean, so far... He's partially fulfilled my fears of destroying U.S. Um, foreign image. Um, however, when it comes to the rest of the country, it just, I mean, it honestly just made people more divided. And it, this election definitely did not help anyone. That's all. I wouldn't say it. Um, well, I mean, personally, my, I, had a, I was ecstatic at him being elected. Especially because I had been told for like the the day of the election when I was going to school freshman year, I was wearing my MAGA hat. Yeah, you were wearing your MAGA hat. Everyone was so mad at you for wearing your MAGA hat. Honestly, I was (laughs) I heard so many people who were like, Yeah, just like snatch that hat off his head and just break it. Yeah, they threw Evan's hat (laughs) down the corridor that one time. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I was ecstatic because Literally everyone that I was talking to that day said that it couldn't happen. Mister, mm-hmm. uh, the teachers were saying it couldn't happen. I had students yeah. that were saying it couldn't mm-hmm. happen. Uh, you had Shepard Smith saying that it couldn't happen uh, on Fox. Um, uh, you know, there was, um, what is it? They had a, uh, on ABC News on election night, they had like a, um, they had a statistics um, group or organization that um, that predicted at first it was a 90% chance for Hillary Clinton to win. And then slowly when it goes to her night, it just, sl- yeah. it just slowly declines down. Yeah. I remember so watching sad. those compilations at, uh, uh, like after the election. They yeah. were, they filled me with joy. Um, 
No, but but um, I I was personally ecstatic at his election. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily that uh, his election divided the country at all. Um, in fact, I oh really? No, I wouldn't say so. I think the country had been dividing, has been in the process of dividing along this the current boundaries that we see since probably uh, probably the 30s um yeah the great depression yeah that's when it more or less started and now it's just kind of gone to this point and again i wouldn't say that it's a consequence of trump but it is a consequence of the democratic system (laughs) we have become more we have become more democratic since the 1930s and even more democratic no that's not good Oh, Cooper, just because you're a monarchist doesn't mean that you can... Okay, just, just because I'm a monarchist doesn't believe I believe in monarchy in America. Uh, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> so, Herbert Hoover was the president during the Great Depression. Uh, what what basically happened to the country during that time? Ooh, well, I think Cooper's more suited to answer that question compared to me. Well... A misconception about uh, the Great Depression, or, or at least of the Hoover administration, was that Hoover had carried on the, um, how they're frequently described, the laissez-faire policies of his predecessors, uh, Coolidge and Harding. The fact of the matter is that that's not true. Um, whereas uh, the downturn of 1929 uh, can be similarly compared to the uh, recession of uh, 1920 and 1921 that occurred under uh, at the end of Wilson and at the beginning of Harding's administrations. Uh, mm-hmm. And that downturn was just as severe as the downturn in 1929 uh, and was probably, it's often uh, attributed to um, financial uh, practices that were going on in America during World War I uh, in part because the highest tax rate was like 90% under the Wilson administration uh, for income taxes. Uh, and in response to the recession, uh, Warren Harding, with advice from his Treasury Secretary, Andrew Mellon, uh, cut the tax rate in half. Um, and the uh, the economy started to recover from the recession naturally. Uh, and then Harding died. Uh, and then Coolidge came to office and he cut taxes again. And then there was this uh, indu- economic boom that became known as the Roaring Twenties. Uh, but under Hoover, uh, taxes had been, uh, w- once the d- downturn of 29 occurred, uh, and even prior to that, uh, taxes had been increased, tariffs were being increased. Uh, and uh, during the down- in response to the initial downturn, uh, Hoover wish mm-hmm. to stimulate uh, the aggregate demand of the economy through public works projects, um, adopting <clears throat> the same Keynesian policies that uh, would be adopted later by uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt during his administration. Um, so, and, and even then, the economy didn't even start to recover until the war, as only wartime economies mm-hmm. allow for uh, this sort of uh, uh, Keynesian uh, economic policies 
uh, that were adopted during these administrations to actually function in uh, the long term, uh, in, in the economic long term. Yesterday was the anniversary of President John F. Kennedy's assassination. What impact do you think that had on Americans who are living on that day? And how do you think that impacted history, especially since Kennedy died so young? Um, I think Kennedy was definitely one of the, one of the greatest presidents we've had. Um, mm -hmm. His death, I mean... Yeah, it was it was terrible for America, um, and I think his death kind of contributes towards the um, the the well, I won't say death, but I'd say um, slow uh, downfall of the U.S. National Space Agency, NASA, you know, National Aeronautics and Space Administration. Um, mm -hmm. And he was definitely one of the, you know, one of the few presidents that actually really committed towards uh, space exploration. And um, I mean, you know, we, ne we can never know whether or not, um, whether or not the downfall of NASA could have meant more prog I mean, whether or not the continuation of funding for NASA could have been beneficial for the U.S. It could have been detrimental for the U.S. Because, I mean, we've seen now um, companies like, or private companies like SpaceX, um, they see the fact that NASA is going towards downfall and, like, you know, becoming irrelevant and have taken up the challenge. So, um, honestly, <clears throat> Whether or not he was there or alive, he could have changed a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> unfortunately, Kennedy was a casualty of the Cold War. Um, I think that, well, I can't really give an accurate uh, explanation as to what the people were feeling at that time. Uh, but I feel as though the public reaction to Kennedy's assassination, as opposed to the public reaction to that of the 9-11 attacks, um, was mm -hmm. that whereas um, the public in response to Kennedy's assassination saw this as um, a spontaneous tragedy, uh, Americans after 9-11 had almost immediately attributed to the attacks towards um, the ever-growing threat of uh, Islam, militant Islamism uh, as opposed to it being a spontaneous tragedy. Um, mm -hmm. I think that the outcome of <clears throat> hist the outcome of the Cold War um, probably wouldn't have been affected that much if Kennedy had continued his, uh, had actually uh, fulfilled his term. Um, I feel as, uh, as though the greatest, the, the, the worst thing to kind of come out of the Kennedy administration 
was, uh, mm -hmm. or rather the the assassination of Kennedy was the succession of um, Lyndon Johnson to the presidency, who I regard as one of the worst presidents we've had, uh, not only for his disastrous mm -hmm. uh, uh, great society uh, reform programs, but also his continuance of, uh, and his uh, more or less appropriation of the uh, Vietnam War as his war and uh, something as though it was a personal vendetta to him in which he was willing to sacrifice the, sacrifice the lives of um, American youth to satisfy. Uh, many people said that George Bush knew that 9-11 was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think do you think that is true? Um, okay. I'll give you my serious answer. Oh, well, no. I'll give you my joke answer first and my serious answer second. Um, personally, George Bush is too dumb to know that 9-11 was going to happen. Um, Amen. <laughs> um, but, no. There's no possibility. I, I was just like, come on. That's something from conspiracies. Like, Really, whoever actually believes in that, like, I honestly have to say, like, please look at the facts. Please don't and vote. The, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, don't vote. Don't vote for George Bush. Don't vote. Oh. Period. <laughs> um. Uh. Well. George Bush himself didn't know of um, of the possibility of the attack, but it was known among, we do know for a fact uh, that it was known amongst uh, certain intelligence agencies that an attack mm -hmm. of this kind was uh, imminent. And George, the president, was unable to take proper action in uh, taking precautions mm -hmm. against uh, this attack because there was such disunity amongst the various intelligence agencies. And so that's why mm -hmm. the, one of the first things that Bush did after, um, uh, uh, after the September 11 attacks was the creation of the department of Homeland security, which is more or less the central central central, uh, department for intelligence. So I wouldn't say that George Bush knew that the attacks were going to happen and did nothing, but rather it was no, the information was known in the bureau, the government, but because bureaucracy is an inherently inefficient system, uh, it oh, couldn't get to his bureaucracy. ears in time. Uh, how, how would you describe mass shootings now in America as the new normal? Um, mass shootings in general should not be normal, but yeah, it has become the new normal in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know, at first we're, we, when was, Cooper, when was the first, like, actual mass shooting you remember of? That I remember? Yeah. Uh, Sandy Hook. That was the first Yeah, one yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sandy Hook. So, everyone was like, holy crap, Sandy Hook. That's unbelievable. How could someone let this happen? 
<clears throat> Columbine was technically the first. Col- yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, but like Sandy Hook was the first one that was like, well, not really blown out of proportion. Well, like not blown out, pl- bl- ugh, not blown out of proportion, but like really like shook people. Uh, I mean, Columbine also shook a lot of people, but Sandy Hook yeah. was like, holy crap! Some guy shooting up like little elementary school kids. Mm-hmm. And then um, next one would be Parkland. That really shook people mm-hmm. up. Um, <clears throat> after part, like I mean, when I saw Parkland, I was like, "Oh gosh, that's oh my gosh, like that's mm-hmm. terrible." And then when Las Vegas happened, I was like, "Dang, that's also really bad." But like you know, it's just like it's slowly that kind of shock just like slowly went away. Mm-hmm. And now, like the fact that we're just like, eh, whatever, or like, especially you know, in Thousand Oaks, Thousand Oaks recently, um, the shooting at that bar, um, mm-hmm. that's also terrible. But you know, people were just, mm-hmm. it's you know, another thing that happened was in uh, in zero period at school, um, mm-hmm. I woke up. And I went to school and I checked my phone. Oh, you know, there's a news app. And it's like, oh, shoot, there's a shooting. Mm-hmm. And then um, my friend who was sitting next to me, I was like, oh, shoot. You know, there's another shooting in Thousand Oaks. And, and she was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. You know, like the fact that we're just like, oh, okay, about like about mass shooting is it's worrying. Mm-hmm. You know, that shouldn't be happening. And mm-hmm. whatever measures are needed should be taken to stop them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that um, building off what Terry had said about the um, the reaction, or rather the numbness that uh, the American populace is uh, mm-hmm. acquiring towards in, in response to mass shootings. Um, I'd say is in response to is a, an additional um, uh, symptom of the causes of the mass shootings themselves. Uh, I've expressed before that the prevalence of mass shootings has neither to do with uh, guns or with um, medical issues or anything of that sort but has to do with uh, the state of the society itself. Um, Mm -hmm. And that for the past several decades, we've been degenerating into this nihilistic, uh, hyper-individualistic hedonism, within Mm -hmm. our culture that has, I believe, given rise to this attitude that has, uh, this attitude that has contributed towards school shootings and the attitude Mm -hmm. which has uh, been brought about in response to shooting, mass shootings themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would say that in order for, um, in order for tragedies like this to stop, uh, some changes are going to have to be made in the way that we 
conduct ourselves and the way that we interact with ourselves within the society. Mm -hmm. And I, for one, would say that a return to traditionalism would be the best way to do that. But that may be unpopular. (laughs) Okay. I have one more question. Okay. When the New York Times put out the report of Donald Trump's tax scheme, what did you think of that? Um, hmm. Cooper, you take this one. In response to Donald Trump's uh, tax game? Yes. Being able to evade taxes for several decades. I was not aware of that. (laughs) Did you not see that report? I did not see that report. Oh, wow. Damn. (laughs) We really do live in a society. Um, um, I'd say at first, the, I thought you were going to ask about the um, about the was it the memo or the op-ed from the New York Times? That's a mess, though. And, but anyway, Cooper, continue. Oh, um, well, if he did evade taxes, um, mm-hmm. I'd say good on him. Then he's doing a civic duty. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pay your taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to know something interesting? <laughs> Uh, it's not illegal to lie on your tax uh, on your uh, tax forms. They'll just fine you. But it is, <clears throat> huh? They'll just fine you They're if they see it as worth it. Like someone yeah. like someone like Donald Trump, if he were to lie on his tax forms, uh, he would be fine <laughs> because he is yeah. a man of great wealth. Uh, great, not even great wealth, but of well, a large sum. Of wealth. Yes, but like he is wealthy. Middle middle or lower class people who aren't paying. Uh, as much as they should, and like they lie on their tax return on their uh, tax forms, that's not technically illegal. <laughs> uh, They'll turn a blind eye to it if they even see it. I mean, isn't form- um, isn't cl- claiming more benefits um, than you should be illegal though? Um, I heard that's illegal and could get you like audited. It could. Uh, <laughs> But it, I mean, it all depends on how much wealth you have. It all depends oh, yeah. on how much, it, it, whether it's worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, sometimes the expenses that go into uh, tracking people down, uh, taking, bringing them to court, uh, those expenses are oftentimes more than the actual sum that's due to the, the IRS. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd, I'd say that if he did... If he did uh, evade taxes, <laughs> I, I, I guess, damn, he did good. <laughs> if he's a, a man of his, as much wealth as he is and he was able to evade taxes for this long and it's only now being noticed, then he must be doing something <laughs> right, I suppose. <laughs> okay. Um... <clears throat> no, but like, in all seriousness, no, that, is, that is awful. If he if he mm-hmm. did in fact evade his taxes, evade his taxes, which I'm willing to believe he would. Okay. Um. Uh, personally, I mean, I'd say if you're evading your taxes, then you are not being a righteous citizen of the United States of America. Um. <laughs> but, I mean, honestly. <laughs> Good on him for evading his taxes. Like, not gonna lie, if you're able to evade your taxes for like at least three decades, that's like 
honestly, like, kudos to you, man. Um, but yeah, I I am not happy about that because he's not doing his civic duty as an American citizen to pay his taxes mm-hmm. towards the American government. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. All right. Thank you guys for taking the time to do this. Yeah, English. no problem. Um, it's been great. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, cool. Um, all right. Bye. All right. <clears throat> so, whoa, wait. Am I... Um, I can send you an iCloud link to this. If that doesn't work, then what you can do is just, like... To be honest, I can just give you, like, the login information to the account. And you can just download it directly from there. That's fine if that's okay. not there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, hey, Terry. Hmm? Yeah. I got an idea. What? How about anyone who uh, pays lower than. Um... Send them to debtor's prison. Yes. <laughs> Bring back debtor's prisons. Bring back the debtor's prison. You, you want to know something that's sad? Um. What's his face? What? Shit, my name, his name's blanking on me right now. He was the... Not John Dickinson, the other guy. Um, oh, James Wilson. Mm-hmm. James Wilson, mm-hmm. the delegate to the, con- to the uh, Second Continental Congress uh, from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And the first uh, Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. He died in a debtor's prison in South Carolina. Really? He actually yeah. did? He died oh in a debtor's gosh. prison. Oh my gosh. Fucking then his, karma biting his then ass. Then his body was exhumed. <laughs> and he was reburied in uh, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. But he died in a debtor's prison. <laughs> nope, but, Honestly, bring... Thanks for listening.